Hi, and welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. My name is Roger Heathers. Declan Kitchener, my regular co-host, isn't with me today, but we have a, another special interview episode for you. Uh, this week, we got to interview the talented singer-songwriter, Jackie Cohen. For you, for you, is always true. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Jackie Cohen is a fantastic singer-songwriter and she's just put out this amazing record called Zag, uh, which is kind of this mixture of contemporary pop music but with this really retro feel. Uh, it has this kind of lovely 70s nostalgia sort of feel to it, um, as well as being, you know, cutting-edge contemporary songwriting. And uh, she was lovely to talk to. She's just come off uh, the tour with Wise Blood 2. Uh, so, uh, promoting her new record Zag. Um, so she's actually she was actually with Kevin, uh, Kevin Basco of Rubber Band Gun, um, from the previous uh, episode that we did with him, and they are recording some new music together. I think some of his and some of hers. And uh, yeah, Jackie just was kind enough to uh, give us some of her time and talk to me about her craft, her songwriting, a little bit about American coffee, and uh, her plans for uh, potential future music. So uh, here's the interview. Enjoy. Hello. Hello, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, yeah, enjoying a nice sunny day in the UK. How? Uh, is it? It's summer there when it's summer here, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think the only place that isn't <laughs> okay. the case is uh, Australia, as far as I know. Right. Well, amazing. I'm in the woods right now. I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. Rural, somewhere rural Pennsylvania in a cabin. That's amazing. Yeah, for fun. <laughs> is it like a kind of getaway, like a vacation sort of thing? But yeah, I'm up here with Basco. Oh, cool. Um, and we've got his little setup here. Oh, so you guys are in the same place right now? Yeah. Sweet. And uh, yeah, I think we're, we're going to work on some music for, for a little while, for like a week. That's amazing. So are you doing like, I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to go on the show or anything, um, but are you guys doing stuff uh, for like the Jackie Cohen project? Are you doing something for the RPG 25 thing? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure, really. <laughs> You're just going to make some music. Yeah, we're just going to work on some stuff. He's going to, you know, I, I've never really, um, like, tried writing with anyone before. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm just caffeinating. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Man, yeah. I, I've had are, loads of coffee today. What kind of today. coffee are you drinking? Um, you know what, actually, I used to live in the States when I was a, when I was a kid, and me and my sister, we visited when we went back when I was like 18 and mm -hmm. I, you know, like filter coffee where it's like already ground and you put it in the machine and all that. Well, yeah. you, you can get that here at any supermarket in the, cause I live in the UK. Um, and in America, I remember being able to get like vanilla and hazelnut and caramel and all these right. different flavors. So I wanted to get that. So to answer your question, um, it's kind of like a mixture of regular ground coffee and like this hazelnut stuff that I found. Ooh. 
because it's harder to find flavors here, but I'm kind of going through a phase of like trying to find the best flavors I can. So <laughs> the perfectly flavored coffee. Yeah, exactly. How about um, you? That stuff has always been a little too sweet for me. Like I went through in high school, I went through a phase where I was drinking a caramel frappuccino like every day from Starbucks. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but that was like high school. And so now that I'm an adult, um, I'm drinking some cold brew. That's cool. Right out of the container with a little bit of oat milk. That's that's uh, that's healthy and tasty. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the first time I saw oat milk was actually in the UK. Oddly enough. Yeah, that's taken off recently here. You know the you know uh, oat milk and soy milk and all that stuff. Um, I went through a phase of being vegan like two years ago. I was vegan for like a year, and really? um, you know you have to go to alternate milk sources then. But you know what? I never drink milk and coffee anymore. I know it's bad for the environment and everything, but I always drink uh, coffee mate in my coffee. Oh, I went through a huge coffee mate phase because my mom only uses coffee mate. Hmm. Um, and she'll use the powdered stuff though. Um, and she'll go through like one of those giant tubs of the powder, like once a month, you know? And so like, I grew up completely addicted to it too. And I've gone through phases where I like get clean of the stuff, <laughs> yeah, you know, the white powder. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I'll like, I'll be at a venue or something and someone will like have coffee mate there mm. and I'll be in the middle of like tour and I'll be exhausted and like feel like oh it doesn't matter i'll just like treat myself this one time and have coffee mate and i get like re-addicted to it yeah it's um it is bad stuff but you know everybody's gonna have a vice and this isn't too bad of a vice it's poison (laughs) man i agree with you on like sweet coffee though because like the stuff i'm getting is like i'm quite specific about this i even like posted on instagram and stuff like does anybody have any recommendations in the uk of like, I don't like it to be like syrup that's added because that's kind of what the frappuccinos and stuff are at Starbucks, which is so overpoweringly sugary. But um, the stuff I wanted is like black coffee with a flavor in it, if you know what I mean. So I'm yeah, gonna have to keep right, looking. Really. But... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so you have just come back off tour with Kevin from the Wise Blood tour. Mm-hmm. How was that? Yeah. Um, it was actually the, I think, the easiest tour I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, Kevin and I have been touring in bands together for a couple of years, so he knows as well as I do that the more people you have, the harder everything gets. You know, it's more moving parts. Sure. Um, you know, the the you know vehicle has to get bigger. You have more equipment, um, and so just uh, touring the U.S. in my little sedan with just Kevin. Um, barely any setup we're just doing two guitars two mics so we just park the car anywhere we want which is awesome because we're not in a van um and like grab the guitars and run inside and do our thing and then get out it i mean it was just like a sort of a, a dream situation yeah yeah i mean looking at the um instagram videos and stuff and the youtube clips i saw of you guys live um, a couple of things came to mind. The first was all. First of all, was like you did have such a small setup to go around, but it sounded so big, especially with your two harmonies together. And it must be so fun to like go from venue to venue and like with the two guitars in the car. That's probably the closest you get to being like a stand-up comedian or something, you know? Because yeah, they have the luxury of just walking in and walking show. out. And you know, we do a lot of comedy during the set too, so it really was a hybrid. Show. Seriously, do you do you do like jokes in the set? 
We, I think it's funny. Like after a show, when Kevin and I are talking about like how it went, half of the conversation is like whether or not Kevin's banter landed. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff do you say in the shows? Because I've never seen you guys live. I've only seen like the song clips on YouTube, so I don't know what the show itself is like. Um, well, you'll have to see it. We're going to come to the UK um, in, what is it, October, uh, late October, early November? Yeah. You're coming with Adam um, Green, right? Yeah. I've never checked out Adam Green before, but I, I noticed you've posted on um, Instagram or Twitter, I think it was, um, that he's been a big, you know, idol for you as a musician for a while. So that's going to be cool. Adam Green was like my first personal rock star. Wow. Like, in, in high school, the first show I went to that made me realize that I, one, like, love going to shows and love music. Um, and, to, I mean, he was, like, my Elvis. It was, like, I would go to his shows and, like, cry. Right. I, don't want, I hope he doesn't know that. But <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to the interview. But, um, yeah, he. I mean, he's just this, like, larger-than-life thing for me for you know, my entire, like, teen and adult life. So going on tour with him is the, probably the most surreal thing that's ever happened to me. Um, one of my friends made a joke the other day. She said that there was something almost, like, make-a-wish-y right. <laughs> about this tour, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a little a little off-color, but also really funny because it, it's like if I was, if I was dying... <laughs> This is the sort of thing that maybe someone would set up for me. <laughs> and how cool, you know, and you you get to be completely healthy while you do it. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> Although I do think my hair is falling out. I don't know, I'm shedding a lot. <laughs> I, I, I bet you're not. <laughs> I hope I'm not dying, but you know, it's, I mean, you never know. That's going to be awesome though. So that, that's in October, did you say? Yeah, we're leaving, it's the second half of October, first half of November. Cool, I'm going to have to get a ticket. If you come, I think you're coming to Bristol. I think I looked at the dates. So yeah. I, I live in the southwest, so I'll, I'll come over for that. would be awesome. Um, so you you mentioned Adam Green as your first uh, personal rock star. Um, I was wondering as well, um, who are some people who have influenced you as a musician um, and your style? Um, you know, just briefly listening to Zag, which is a fantastic album, um, I'll put I'll be putting like clips before and after in this interview, but anyway, um, it's just a fantastic album. It's got so much character to it, um, and it's kind of hard to place the era it comes from because it's so well produced and it's so well written. Um, you know, I was just kind of wondering who your influences were going into it, especially with your your songwriting. Um, I mean, it's sort of a strange question i mean i know that that you always want to talk about influences and i know there's always things that you're thinking about and listening to when you're when you're writing and when you're recording but for a project sort of like this where a, a lot of the writing happened over the period of a couple months and then um and then some like other things happened in life and then the recording happened um it, there are the influences for writing are probably a lot different than the influences were for recording. Um, I'll say that when we were, when we did start actually tracking the record, I was mostly listening to, um, like music that's driven by interesting female voices, you know? So a lot of Yoko Ono or Linda McCartney or, 
Um, you know, I mean, everyone always says Stevie Nicks, but you can't not say Stevie Nicks. Right. It's impossible. Um, and, and then when we were sort of getting into production stuff, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I kept coming back to a lot of, a lot of things that were sort of hard <laughs> to incorporate. Like, I'd be like, I'm really into this like big star song and this craft work song. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is listening to the album is like you you pulled it off basically like you can hear those yeah. influences for sure um i th- i think from uh following you on instagram uh this sounds really instagram stalkerish but it's not we follow the same kate bush page i think um is she a big oh, really? influence on you that's such a funny, like, impossibly modern thing to say. It's just, it's like, you know when you, like, someone's like to picture who you follow and you can see, like, oh, right. Jack Zag uh, liked this Kate Bush photo. So I usually see that. So right. she a pretty big influence or? Oh, yeah. Um, Kate Bush was, at, was, like, a big turning point for me. I remember one of the most embarrassing things I can remember in regards to music was, um, it was, like, 2012 or something. So not even that long ago. And I was in New York. I was in Astoria with um, Rado and Sam from Foxygen. Mm -hmm. And they were both trying to convince me that, like, Kate Bush was good. And I, like, wasn't ready for it. I was just like, no, it's like, I don't get it. It's, like, too weird. It's, you know, like, I don't know why she's singing like that. I'd maybe heard, like, Wuthering Heights and nothing else. Yeah. And um, and so that's that's one of my most shameful memories. Really, and I remember a couple years later when I like got really into Kate Bush and was doing a little bit of a deep dive. I remember Sam giving me a little bit of crap about it. <laughs> he's like, "What you said um, before?" <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, "I remember what you said." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. She's really cool. But then, like, I think you can kind of get that impression from Kate Bush listening to her when you first listen to her, especially if you listen to the kick inside, because like even she said like later on like her voice became less um, theatrical, I guess you could say. Um, but it's like the same thing when you start listening to like Tom Waits or something. I don't know if you ever listened to any yeah. Tom Waits, but it's like, it, it's an acquired taste. It takes a minute to, to get used to the sound of their voice. Um, right. but then and once you I do, mean, the I arrangements still, are great. Yeah. You have to, you have to sort of adjust to it. You know, I was, when I was listening to those things, I wasn't completely ready. I don't think I was still just listening to a lot of like, you know, like Sufjan. Right, yeah. And it's like in my like earbuds on the subway, like going to school and stuff. You know, I wasn't really I wasn't really in 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 music mode yet. And so I don't really know when it happened, but at some point there was a switch where I started listening to music differently, um, with like a like a pointed interest in it because that wasn't how I grew up. That it wasn't something that was natural for me, um, like through my entire life, which is a very different story for most people that I know, like most of my friends were musicians from day one. They always knew what they wanted to do. I was going to be a lawyer or a professor, or I was going to like, I I like took business classes. I wanted to like open a business okay. <laughs> or something, you know, like I had, I had an, uh, you know, an ambition to do like every thing that you could say is like the polar opposite of being in music right um and so you know i don't know i've just i've had a my relationship with with music has definitely changed over the past couple of years so when you were on the subway and you listened to Sufjan stevens you evidently liked music back then um so at what age would you say 
you started to be like, hey, look, I really, in your words, you pointedly started to listen to music. And then at which point did you start writing? Um, I think that music became more important to me when, I mean, again, this is such a weird, like, situational thing to say. I feel like it, it doesn't, like, sound good. But music became important to me when all of my friends were musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, at first my interest in music was just an interest in my friends, mm. you know, what they were doing and, you know, and loving what they made and loving their art. I mean, it's, it's really bizarre, but a lot, my entry point for a lot of like classic music was, you know, um, like my friends being compared to classic music. Right, and right. So I always, I always sort of heard the comparison first, and then found that music after. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so all my friends were, you know, getting involved in the arts, and I was a little bit too. I, I had switched my major um, my second year of college from communication arts, so like you know, uh, organizational communication and things like that, like how to talk to your superiors and you know things like uh you know like social media and things like that I had transferred into the English program and started taking writing more seriously which had been an interest of mine in high school but I didn't really pursue um and I got uh really invested in like um the literature program and my poetry classes and then I was in New York and hanging out by myself a lot while, you know, my friends were on tour and there were, you know, guitars and keyboards and stuff around in the apartment. And I, you know, started listening to more music and messing around on guitar, teaching myself chords just to like keep myself occupied. Um, And so I, I think that that maybe that second, third year of college was really the, like the transition. Mm hmm. And then did you did you already play guitar when you started college or was that something that happened towards the end or was that like at the same time you started writing your first songs? I learned like three chords in high school to write a will you go to the vice dance song <laughs> <laughs> for one of my friends. That's, that's amazing. Um, that was your first song. My first song was a Will You Go to Vice With Me song. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that was the extent before college. Yeah. And then do you write fairly often, uh, like these days, or is it just kind of when you're writing an album, or how does it work for you? Like, what's the process? Um, I, th- I write sort of continuously in, in small spurts. Like, I, I don't think I write as as you know, much as I did a couple of years ago when it was brand new and every single day I was like super excited about knowing a new chord or something. And I would just sit and like practice that for 10 hours, mm. um, and write like three songs. You know, I, now I, I'll write like a couple like verse ideas or a couple chorus ideas throughout the week and sort of like ruminate and think about them and maybe come back to them later. And so it's a little bit more, um, more thoughtful, a little slower, but I think that I still try and write all the time. Sure. Sure. Um, so when you had a collection of songs together for Zag, 
Um, did, did you record them at like a studio all at one time or did you like record them at home a little bit? Um, was it just by yourself or did you have other musicians? How, how was that? Um, Zag was made in Richmond, Virginia uh, with the Space Bomb House Band. Oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, so it, it was it was sort of like a Motown situation. <laughs> right. That's sweet. Um, which is very cool. I mean, it, I, I had known some of those guys, or most of them, all of them, already. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was just sort of a strange situation because I had the demos for the record. Um, and then I started talking to Matt White about, you know, making it for real. And so it went from, I had these little four-track uh, I had a four track like version of the record and I called that the love hoarder demos. And, um, and it was really, it was really strange and exciting for me for, you know, someone who I consider to be like a real musician to hear those demos and think that there was like a real record there. Um, because, you know, again, it's like, I, uh, it was, it, since I got to the game so late, it's always been hard for me to, take myself seriously or consider myself to be as legitimate as the people I know. And, um, you know, even though I'm, I can, I can say pretty confidently that like I work with these people now at this point, right. I still have this weird gap in my mind. Like, like I'm sort of hanging out with the real guys. Right. <laughs> I certainly don't think that's the case, but I think, you know, I think anyone would feel the same, you know, um, you know, knowing just a few of the people who, you know, are in your in your sort of circle at musician-wise. Uh, um, but, you know, I'd imagine they probably feel the same around you quite often because, you know, you put out this record that is, like, way up there, you know? Thank you. Um, and I didn't know uh, Matthew White produced it. How was he as a producer? Yeah, it was a... Uh, it was a co-production with Matt White and Rado. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um... And they had this really funny, like, tag team vibe where um, it was usually, like, at any given time, it was sort of like one of them was standing up and the other was sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, it really was, like, um, like a real, it was a strange dynamic, you know? Like, I think that they had a really um, courteous way of co-producing, like, they would both give each other their time to be sort of leading. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that <laughs> it was really important for me to have Matt around because when Rado and I worked together, we've been doing this so long um, that we sort of like bicker a lot about decisions that we're making and about, you know, like every, every sound or, you know, every part um, and so it was really nice to have Matt there to be outside of that right, <laughs> and right. sort of teaming it a little bit. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, the EPs yeah. you did before the album, um, were they sort of co-produced with Rado? The EPs, yeah. Um, I would say that the EPs were sort of, I think that Rado is credited as the producer on the record, but maybe it's, maybe it's, credited correctly i'd say that it was a like more of a co-production with the lemon twigs oh the eps the um, previous ones 
Yeah, because the the Lemon Twigs were the backing band. I had no record. idea. That's amazing. That's great. You got you got to read the credits. I know, I know. It's this streaming <laughs> culture we live in. You know, like I've listened to all of your music, and um, yeah, it's all either Spotify or YouTube. I mean, I thought that Zag might have some uh, some of Brian and Michael's playing on it, but I guess not. There's there's no playing, but Brian and Michael are both featured. Um, like background vocalists on separate tracks i thought it was a really funny idea to have them both on the record but not together right yeah (laughs) Yeah. so um michael does the background vocals on the song called it hurts and brian does the backup vocals on yesterday's baby oh okay that's cool yeah oh how was it um kind of taking these songs uh, which were fully produced um, and demoed and everything and fully arranged, and then taking them on the road um, with this sort of uh, acoustic setup. How did they translate? Fairly well, or? Um, it, I, I'm really glad that we did it this way because we've been playing a lot of the songs from Zag for about a year, mm-hmm. and I've done it in a bunch of configurations at this point. I've played some shows just solo, just me on guitar. I've played some shows where... It's like two electric guitars. Um, I, you know, I did that at, at South by Southwest with Rado. I've done, you know, an electric and a, an acoustic, and then um, me just singing as like a trio. And then I've done a four-piece like rock band. And I think that the duo um, with Kevin works the best. It's it's the most like balanced interpretation of the songs that I can offer at this point. Um, and you know, I've, I've talked to Kevin about this a bit because Kevin's always been in my band. Mm-hmm. So he's been through, you know, he knows all of the iterations of the, of the lineup and with the four piece, it's, you know, it's sort of like this weird middle ground between being stripped back in the context of the record and being a rock band. Um, and so it's not, it's not like fully stripped down and it's also not fully what the record sounds like. Um, Mm. when we play the songs as a duo, it really gives us an opportunity to present the songs as, you know, as they're written songs. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and not get too hung up on also being like rockin', sure, sure, which is, which is hard and it takes a lot of energy and a, a lot of focus. And so I feel like um, I feel like this is the best way for now to um, to like perform the songs and and get the songs across to people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the podcast uh, that I do usually with my friend, um, we we each write a song in the space of a week every every single week, and we often oh. say that like the best songs are the ones where like if you strip them down to their core dna of like acoustic guitar and vocal and they still work then you've got a good set of songs so it's almost like that's the best way to communicate them which is it sounds like what your shows were like um especially on the most recent leg of the you know the tour right yeah absolutely yeah we're really enjoying doing it this way and and it's also really easy with kevin because he's um he like sings on everything Mm. which i've never had before um and so it's, it, it is, it's just like a really warm, full sound for how, you know, for the amount of gear we're bringing. Right, right. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, yeah, I would have to him as well. He was saying that um, 
your two voices tend to blend quite well. It's almost like he can kind of <laughs> mimic your voice in some way. He does a really good impression of me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, as you're with Kevin at the moment, um, what are you... Um, do you have any kind of influences you're bringing to the table as far as writing? Uh, have you been listening to anything recently that you kind of want to, uh, I don't know, put something into your work at all? Um, I mean, I think one of the records that um, we listened to on the tour that we've been talking about a lot is that new Kate LeVon record. I haven't have you heard, heard it. it. No, no. You should, you should check it out. She's, uh, she's, there were two records we were listening to, the new Kate LeVon record and the new Tyler record. Oh, Tyler um, the Creator. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that and, one. Uh, and it's it's sort of I have they're sort of linked in my brain at this point for some reason. Like I kind of see them as being uh, like two ends of this really specific spectrum of extremely creative writing. Yeah. Um, I mean, they couldn't be more different records, but somehow it's like I I still see them as leading the game right now um, in terms of like really vibrant, thoughtful, like colorful, explosive music making. But it's also very like, it's also very like concise and direct. Like you you can hear all of the parts. um, And I mean, it just has like, you know, it's it's like a vision. It's vision music. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I completely Um, get what you're saying. Yeah. So I think I think we've both had those records on the mind a lot, just like everybody has. Like, everyone's talking about the Tyler record, and it's, yeah. it almost seems, like, stupid at this point to be talking about it. It's like talking about, you know, Fleetwood Mac three years ago, um, when everyone was, like, hearing Fleetwood Mac for the first time again. You know? Like, oh. ever, it was, like, the summer of Tusk. How come it came back, the Fleetwood Mac record, just as a quick aside? Um, well, I mean, like, 70s... 70s like smooth rock came back i don't know i mean everything is cyclical but there is just i mean there's a period where you know everyone wanted to sound like fleetwood mac again you know and then we have like heim oh yeah for sure um and uh yeah i i think that tyler is the new fleetwood mac (laughs) (laughs) i kind of get it that that thing of like because that's the thing that really gets me about um you know, I'm not trying to be uh, overly flattering or anything, but you and Kevin, both of your music uh, output, it's got this thing where, like, you, you find it and it's, like, it's so creative. It's, like, viscerally creative, you know? Um, and then there's something about your style of music, um, which it's funny you mentioned Tyler the Creator because it's, like, both of you have this sort of, like, um, cartoonish type of feature to your music. And I mean that in a really good way. I think that's a... No, we are. We're, like, Kevin and I are, like, the most Muppety people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> like, we're just, like, sock puppets. <laughs> but hey, the music from those films are great as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So you're going to maybe do some writing together or just kind of see what happens, really, is it? Yeah, I mean, we're just in this, like, this, like, weird cabin. It looks really um, nice there. It is. I mean, it's it's beautiful up here. It's really, really hot and really muggy. Mm. Um, and so it, it's like we can't really even go outside. Right. <laughs> so we have nothing to do but um, just, like, mess around and see if we can't come up with something. That's great. I'm so excited for the results. 
It's um, it's cool, kind of watching uh, the RBG twenty five uh, challenge unfold. And I think I messaged you yeah. on Instagram a little while ago, saying like, "Are there any plans for you and Kev to do a, a collaborative thing?" And so that would be yeah. really cool. I think he's gonna do it. What is he like halfway through? Kevin, Kevin, hold on. I want to know how many more records he has. He's doing pretty good, as far as I know. Last time I spoke to him, anyway. How many more records do you have to do? He's on. He's done nine out of twenty-five. No, so I've done ten. I've released nine. He's released nine. He's so has got like another in the back. Them. You've got fifteen. <laughs> you have like six months. Yeah. Okay, he's got six months to do fifteen records. Easy. <laughs> That's easy. He's gonna I nail he, it. I think he can do it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, it would be really cool to hear a collab- collaboration between you two. Um, yeah. So, do you have like an idea for when your next album's going to be made or written or anything like that, or is it just kind of see how it goes at the moment? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I've got a bunch of songs written, but I want to be sort of thoughtful about which songs go on the next record. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be a. I don't want it to be as much of a grab bag. Right. Um, this time, you know, because there are so many songs already, like, mostly written, it's going to have to be, I'm going to have to decide how many old, like, older songs, as in, like, over the past year, I want to include, how many I think are good enough to be on the next record. I just, I don't want to rush, you know? I don't, I don't want to put something out just to put something out. Um, But, you know, I'm also not... I don't want to take like four years, but maybe I take a year. Everyone thinks that I should take a year to like learn how to cut hair or something, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which would be cool. I know the I know the feeling of like when you when you're writing and you go like, hey, wait a second, I've written ten songs in the past you know period of time. You're like, okay, well that's an album, you know, I'm gonna put it out. But sometimes right. it's like you just want to sit on it and like you say, go back to the old stuff because. But then, like, it's a case of like, how much of a how much of an inspiration do you feel for the old stuff that you did like at the time? But it's like you kind of got to revitalize it or something now. Um, but I mean, these are just the thoughts that go into making a record, I guess. But um, right. yeah, I think taking time is is an interesting way to do it. You know, like um, I think there's a real appeal to making an album like right then and then releasing it. Obviously, when I spoke to Kevin, he was saying that's a lot of what he does, which is really cool. But then there's like the opposite end of the spectrum of like. Um, you know, I uh, can't think of the word, but just spending ages on it, basically. So, it's it can be a little it can be a little bizarre and time warpy because a lot of the time you make the record and then it doesn't come out for a long time, like you know, like half a year. Mm. Um, and so by the time it does come out, or you know, maybe even a year. Uh, so by the time it comes out, it's like it's already sort of old to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it can be a little strange. I, of course you're excited that the record is out, but it's, it can be a little weird, like, you know, trying to get like pumped about it being this like new thing that other people are hearing for the first time when you're kind of sick to death of it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's been around so long. And so, I mean, there is something really like nice about, um, you know, people who make records and then drop them immediately. Um, uh, unfortunately, it's not really, that's not really part of, like, the indie record cycle. 
Mm, right. You know, because you, uh, I know everyone's trying to figure out how to like how to make money off of the records, and a lot of that comes from the that long buildup. You know, you release a single, and then you wait, and you release another single, and you wait, and um, you know, eventually you drop the record, and and they're trying to like build up momentum, but. Um, it would be cool if, if like indie artists could start, like you know, doing that cool like hip hop thing that Kevin does. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd hear hip hop and Kevin in the same sentence, but I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it, it would be good. I mean, if anything, it's I feel like it's heading towards that direction more and more with like the way streaming sites work. Like I feel like. The, the model of, like, single-gap, single-gap album sort of thing, mm-hmm. it worked so well when it was, like, CD sales or whatever, you know? Like, it was a right. you know, lead-up with these things on the radio, and then finally the day comes where you have a physical product and it's in the stores or whatever. And while that does still exist, it's, it's a really different climate with streaming. And it almost mm-hmm. kind of suggests that people are going to start doing that thing of, like, a surprise release. Because like, it does work sometimes. It just depends on right. kind of how you do it it's an interesting thing to think about really right i mean something has got to change the old model is failing everyone so Mm. you know it's a it's like a bizarre time and i think something has to evolve to catch up with the with the um you know the new platforms so yeah hey um anyway i don't don't want to hold you up too much longer and i think my hard drive's running low on space as well so (laughs) Um, I want to thank you for doing this, Jackie. It really means a lot that you took out the time to uh, come on the show. And, yeah, um, thanks so much for having me. Hey, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm a really big fan of your music, so this is, um, it's not only cool to have you on the show, but it's really exciting to, to chat to you as well. Um, is there anything you would like to plug, um, and uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, well, I'm everywhere on the internet. <laughs> you can you can look up my name, look up my music. I'm on all your I'm on your Spotify, Apple Music. You can download, stream. I would encourage you come to a show and buy physical copies of records because that is the only way that I can pay for gas and continue to tour. <laughs> and buy merch, people. Buy merch. Buy the hats my dad made. Buy the shirts that feature the incredible album art which was made by adam green but uh yeah uh i'm touring in the u.s with molly birch touring in europe with uh europe and uk with adam green come to a show um and yeah that's that's it that's that's my year awesome okay well thank you so much jackie for coming on the show and uh we look forward to hearing more music from you soon thanks a lot oh yeah thanks cool All right, thank you for listening to another episode of the Weekly Song Podcast, and thanks to Jackie for uh, coming on and uh, being so warm and friendly and talking to us about her music. Um, We will have uh, news for you when the time comes of when uh, more episodes will be coming. Um, I believe we have like a uh, sort of like a handheld episode, like a kind of off-the-cuff episode that Declan and I did when we saw Sunflower Bean in Bristol last week, and that'll be with you next Friday. Um, and then further from that, we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show and send your own songs in and uh, get in touch for whatever reason, you can email the show at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find uh, Jackie's music uh, linked in the description below. You can find my website in the description below and Declan's uh, SoundCloud page also in the description below. 
Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you want. Uh, that would really help the show. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook if you want to follow along with uh, further uh, episodes and interviews and segments and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Ta-ra! Baby, never-